Well, good morning, church. My name is Reagan Gilliland, and I'm one of the associate pastors here at Lover's Lane. And normally, I preach at the 9.30 hour, but today I am doing a triple header. And good news, I still have energy. So, just for you guys. Um, But I am so delighted to be here and to be able to preach um, a story on No that hopefully gives you new insights. And so, if you were with us last week, you know that we started a new series called Full Circle, because we're in a season called Lent, and we are making our way towards celebrating the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But we thought in order to get to that celebration, we need to start from the beginning. So last week, we started talking about Adam and Eve and where it all went wrong. And we didn't even get that far into the story because we didn't even touch the story of Cain and Abel when Cain killed Abel. And so we know that things got bad really fast. But over the next few weeks, we are going to revisit stories where we continued to make bad choices. But in these stories, our God meets us with a covenant every single time. And so today we're going to look at the story of Noah. But before we can get to the covenant, before we can even get to the scripture that is in your bulletin, we have a lot of ground to cover. So I thought I would read the story of Noah from my daughter's Bible. And I don't know if you have looked at a children's Bible recently, especially for toddlers and babies. Some would call them brief. I don't know if you've looked at the stories, which is a good thing. But let me go ahead and read what her account of Noah says. God told Noah, build a boat, fill it with animals, so Noah did. Animals came aboard two by two, from alligators to zebras. Rain came down. The boat floated. Water covered the whole earth. When the land dried, God made a rainbow in the sky. God took care of Noah his family, and all the animals. And then the takeaway, the message at the bottom, is God takes care of you and your family. Kind of some broad strokes, don't you think? They left out a few details, which really I am thankful for, because I think if we were to read it in its fullness, we'd probably terrify our children, and they would never want to come to church. Because let me just see what it would sound like if we added just a few lines in it. God told Noah, build a boat, fill it with animals. So Noah did. Animals came aboard two by two from alligators to zebras. Rain came down. The boat floated. Water covered the whole earth. And there were dead bodies everywhere. (laughs) And baby elephants were drowning and sloths. And oh, all the puppies dead. God takes care of you and your family. Amen. The end. So again, I'm thankful they leave out some things, but I think we're guilty of only remembering the children's version of Noah. And I think we're doing a disservice to ourselves. And so I would like to dive into the story and maybe read it for the first time. So let's start in Genesis 6. 1 through 5. 
And I will let you know that I will be reading from a different translation, so if the words don't quite match up, it's okay. It's the same story. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them and put them on earth. It broke his heart. It broke his heart. I feel like we need to sit with that statement. Let the gravity of that come over us. That we broke God's heart. I think we all could share a story of when we had a broken heart. That pain is so deep. That grief, that sorrow, it is so real and it is so deep. And that's how God felt. God had his heart broken. And I know many of you may say, hey, you're making God too personal, too human-like. But I remind you of the Trinity and, and that there is humanness to the Trinity that we worship. That God very much feels human emotions. And if we start to believe that things that we do when we choose things other than God when we sin don't affect him or hurt him, then we are fooling ourselves. Because again, if you are with us through this journey to Lent and you um, come on Palm Sunday and you read the story through that Holy Week and you get to Good Friday, you will know that God very much feels pain and grief and sorrow. And I know this seems kind of like a Debbie Downer to start the sermon, but I want you to stick with me because it gets better. We read on in Genesis 6, 7. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I've created from the face of the earth. Yes, and I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. I know it still seems kind of gloom and doom, but stick with me. But can you imagine what God must have felt to be in this place? That he had to consider where the thought came on his mind that I am so sorry I ever made them. Can you imagine that? How hard that was for him to even think and maybe say out loud. Talk about being between a rock and a hard place. Now I know that if I were God... I would have looked at this wickedness and this evil and said, yeah, let's just restart. (laughs) Let's bring in the A team because clearly I accidentally made C team. I want a better group of people. I mean, he poured himself into creation all the time and thought and love. And then he just watched us destroy it and take it for granted. How hard was that to witness and so I wondered, God, why, why didn't you restart? I mean, why put yourself through the pain and disappointment over and over again? And so I realized that God had a choice. God did 
have a choice. And he was tempted and he was pulled and he thought about just wiping us all out. But scripture says, but God saved humanity. God chose to save humanity. And things were not good. The rejection, the wickedness was bad. And I know that God was tempted. But it makes me think, okay, if God had a choice and if things were really that bad, but then he chose to save us, I realize that God doesn't owe us anything. Not one thing. Nothing. We do not get what we deserve. Because if we would have gotten what we deserved in this story, we would have been all gone. But God sees Noah. Verse 8 says, But Noah found favor with the Lord. You know, it's interesting. If those of you that have studied different religions or different cultures, you know that this flood story is very common. It's found in a lot of traditions. But what's different is that not every story has a Noah. Because in those stories, everything Everyone is wiped out. But our God, our God doesn't do that. Because God looks down and sees Noah, who I know many of our translations talk about how faithful and how good and righteous he is. But if you know a little bit more about Noah, what happens when everything dries up and then they go on, Noah makes some pretty poor choices. Getting drunk, he's found naked, he curses his son. And you think, wait, is this the same Noah? God, that seems kind of risky. You put all the eggs in that basket? I don't know. But God looks down at Noah and says, I can work with that. I can work with that. I see potential. I think it reminds us really how bad things were if Noah was the cream of the crop. (laughs) You know, Noah reminds me a little bit If we're familiar with the story of Harry Potter, don't be ashamed. We should all, you know, come together. But I love Harry Potter because there's this character, Snape, who at the end of the series, you realize he wasn't really entirely good. He wasn't entirely bad. That's kind of Noah. Because God said, well, I know he's not great, but at least he's not Voldemort, right? Not this horrible, horrible person. But again, this story, what is different about other traditions is that this God who is holy and perfect and creator of everything makes a covenant with a man who is entirely flawed and not deserving. He wasn't that great. He wasn't that set apart. But God stoops down and gives a second chance. And we will know that God continues to reach down to us, to move toward humankind. And he didn't have to. He could have moved away, but God, time after time, moves toward humankind. And we see that especially in the personhood of Jesus Christ. Okay, let's keep going in the story. So God is is grieving the fact of what's going on. But he decides to give Noah and his family a second chance. But what's interesting, and what I read this week and as I studied, that God realized even wiping out a lot of people, most everyone, most everything, 
that it still wouldn't restore Eden. Think about that. If you're going to put all that time and effort, wouldn't you want the perfect results? But God knew. We read in chapter 8, verse 21, I will never again curse the ground because of the human race. Even though everything they think or imagine is bent toward evil from childhood, I will never destroy all living things. This verse is incredibly important because God knows that we would sin, that we would mess up immediately, and still he decides not to wipe us out. Isn't that incredible? Like for those of us that uh, clean our house, especially with little ones, when you clean your house, how long does it stay cleaned? Anyone? Days, weeks? No, 10 minutes, right? 10 minutes tops. I mean, I have a toddler. My dog is a great Pyrenees, which sheds like the size of Jimmy Emery sometimes. And I'm married to Scott, who God bless him. Being clean is not a spiritual gift of his, to put it nicely. And so I realize when I get so angry when I clean my house, it, it doesn't last. I mean, think about God. He gives a second chance and we destroy it immediately again. Talk about patience. Talk about love talk about grace. So this story, as I was thinking about it this week, and I I know that God gives us chances. This wasn't brand new information to me. But the fact that God gives a second chance, I was moved to act according to God's will and ways. And so even though Eden didn't happen after the flood, I believe that God never stops leading us toward a new Eden. If you're like me, you sometimes get overwhelmed with how things are. You know, I read about how things um, were so bad in Noah's time, and I kind of look around the world and I say, I don't feel like we're much different. (laughs) And so sometimes I choose to do nothing. I give up because Eden is so out of reach. And it kind of is. But there's this new Eden I mean, don't we pray in like the Lord's prayer about the kingdom of God, how we want it to be here? And don't as Christians, we believe that there's elements of the kingdom of God already here. It hasn't been fully realized, but there are elements of it. And we believe that it will finally come all together in the end. We do believe that. But in the meantime, it can be hard. It is hard. But we don't have to be without hope because God is with us and God is working with us wanting to move one step closer to a new Eden. I don't know about you, but I want this new Eden. I do. I want it. I taste it. I see bits and pieces of it and by golly, I want more of it. I know becoming a mother, I realized, gosh, I want to make this world a better place for her. And I bet every parent in this room agrees. We want new Eden for our children and for our children's children. So I think we have to be moved to work. So there are things that we need to speak out against and leaders that we need to hold accountable because if they pull us away from the new Eden, we need to say no. 
There are children out there that need to be loved and cared for and mentored because a new Eden is coming. There are a lot of situations where we need to say enough is enough because it is holding us back from getting to new Eden. Let me tell you something. I see new Eden a lot. Some days it's harder than others, but I do see it. Do you? Let me share how I see new Eden. I see new Eden when I hear stories about retired people holding babies in hospitals because they have no one to hold them. I see new Eden in that story. I see new Eden when people are fostering dogs. I do. I see new Eden when people choose to recycle or raise chickens in their backyards because they care about creation. To me, that is new Eden. On Sunday morning, when I see you volunteering with Austin's army or seeing the work of Rays of Light, I see new Eden. When marriages get restored and strengthened, I see new Eden. When I see people saying, I'm sorry, or I forgive you, I see new Eden. When I see people marching against injustice, I see new Eden. When I see people speaking up because they want equality and love for all people, I see new Eden. When I see a church opening their doors to people that are in the bitter cold because they have no place to lay their head, I see new Eden. And let me tell you, I see new Eden in this church, and I'm so thankful for it. So church, I'm asking you, don't you want this new Eden? Do you? You can respond. I would love. I think we have to want it. I pray that we are not content with this status quo. I pray that we aren't so discouraged and so beaten down that we forget that God wants to work with us so that we can bring about a new Eden. So church, we have got work set before us. It is not an ark we have to build this time. Thank goodness. But there is work to be done. And God is right there with us. So why don't we read the scripture that I'm actually supposed to talk about? In Genesis 9, 7 through 18. Then God told Noah and his sons, I hereby confirm my covenant with you and your descendants And with all the animals that were on the boat with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, every living creature on earth. Yes, I am confirming my covenant with you. Never again will floodwaters kill all living creatures. Never again will a flood destroy the earth. Then God said, I am giving you a sign of my covenant with you and with all living creatures for all generations to come. I have placed my rainbow in the clouds. It is the sign of my covenant with you and with all the earth. When I send clouds over the earth, the rainbow will appear in the clouds. And I will remember my covenant with you and with all living creatures. Never again will the floodwaters destroy all life. When I see the rainbow and the clouds, I'll remember the eternal covenant between God and every living creature on earth. Then God said to Noah, yes, this rainbow is the sign of the covenant I'm confirming with all the creatures on earth. I've read this a lot before, 
But I don't think I realized how many times God says that this covenant is for him. This reminder to him. So what do you think about when you see the rainbow? God says that when he sees it, it's a reminder of this promise with this covenant. And God always remembers. See, I'm so moved. After all this time, all this time, God remembers that that covenant still withstands, although a better one, a much better one is coming. That after all this time, he promises that floodwaters will not overtake us, that he is with us, partnering with us to get to that new Eden. And that in this story, God chose us. Chose us. I have to clarify, not a Presbyterian predestination sort of way, but chose me and chose you. God chose us. God chooses us. And God will always choose us. And so I pray that in response to knowing that and knowing that new Eden is possible, that you would respond and choose God. Amen.